Maybe you know somebody, maybe you're that somebody this morning who uh, the circumstances have got you. Or maybe you know somebody who's, who's really struggling right now, trying to see God in charge of something so messed up. Just take a moment and pray for that person that you know, or that maybe it's you. We'll pray for you. Let's just pray right now for that person to be able to see through the word of God, that God is faithful and he's got them. Let's pray for them. Our Heavenly Father, there is a lot of fire and thunder. And we thank you. You know exactly what you're doing. That none of these things, none of these crises, none of these tragedies... None of these uncertainties have ever caught you off guard. We pray for our brothers or our sisters, our mom or our dad, our son or our daughter, a friend who can't see past the trouble right now. we ask that you'd help them to see. By the power of your spirit, we pray that you would help them to see your love, to feel your care for them, to remember what they've been taught. And Father, some of them don't know you yet. And we pray that you would use this trial, whatever it might be, to draw them to faith in your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the the living proof of your faithfulness to all generations. We are so thankful for Jesus this morning and thankful for your word that we have the privilege now of looking into just for these few minutes. We pray that you would speak loudly to us today that we would hear you loud and clear because you are a faithful God and you've given us this great gift. Help us to use it well today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you take your Bibles and turn to first, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians 2, well, we're going to start the reading this morning from verse 13. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And I'll tell you, I am so blessed this morning uh, by your being here today and by the way that you followed the praise team's lead uh, in singing these songs of praise. Uh, What a blessing to praise God together. What a blessing to sing of his faithfulness. I, I, I can't remember the exact phrase. It was early in that last song. 
something about I stake my life on your word or your or something like that. I mean, that's what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. And we're going to see that this morning in God's word. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by the Lord. Because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Now, he's talking to a specific group of Christians in the first century, this group that was meeting together in Thessalonica, present-day Macedonia. And by the way, thanks for praying for Sam and Fernanda. Um, They got to the airport in Quito to leave uh, for Port uh, Cape Verde, and they got sent home because of the new COVID thing, and they they can't go to Cape Verde now. But they're still praying that they're going to get to Macedonia, so keep praying for them. They've got a couple weeks to work that out and and get that straightened out. So keep praying, and thanks for your prayers up to this point um, that, uh, you know, they're handling it and uh, they're still in Ecuador. Um, but this, this group of Christians um, that Paul's writing to, these folks are already dead. And because of the truth of what Paul wrote right here, we're confident that they are with the Lord right now in his glory. And now we get to take the words that Paul wrote to them, we get to take them for ourselves. Even though we don't live in Thessalonica, and even though we're not being persecuted like they were, we're going through our own trials, our own tribulations, our own difficulties. We have to stand against, stand up against false teaching just like they did, as we saw earlier in chapter 2, which is what shifted his gear to say, now, I, we just got, even though we're thinking about some people who aren't trusting in Christ, we just got to thank God for you all because you are, because of what God has already done in your life. He knew before he ever made you before the foundations of the world, that you are going to be saved, that you're going to trust in Christ, that you're going to be filled with the sanctifying Holy Spirit, that Spirit of God who changes us, who conforms us into the, in, into the image of his Son. So as he continues that description, he can, continues in verse 14, he called you to that through our gospel, the good news, that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing. So then, brothers, here we are today. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. So then, brothers, verse 15, stand firm. And hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Stand firm. Paul had an idea about what was going to happen uh, to the Thessalonians in Thessalonica. He knew what had already been going on. He'd experienced it himself. He had to leave that town because of the persecution. He had to be shuffled out at night to get away from those who were going to try to kill him. He knew that was a rough town, especially as far as believers in Jesus were concerned. He had an idea that it wasn't over yet. They were going to face some difficulties. 
that they were going to face some fire and some thunder. And so he tells them, stand firm, get ready. I can't hear that, that expression, stand firm, without thinking of Coach Culp back in seventh grade basketball at Concord Junior High up in Dunlap, Indiana. Coach, he, he said, you got to be ready, guys. You got to get down. You got to get down in position, and you got to get ready. There's going to be some contact. And this is both in football and basketball. He was, what a great coach. I mean, I'm, I'm still thinking about him 50 years later. Um, what a great coach who, who taught us the importance of a foundation. If you're going to be able to stand firm, you've got to have a foundation. And we read in Psalm 119, and you can read the rest of that psalm if you have a little time on your hands. Remember, it's 176 verses. It's that psalm right in the middle of your Bible that talks about nothing but the Bible in 176 verses. The Word of God, the law, the precepts, the ordinances. It uses every imaginable synonym to describe it, but it's all about the Bible. And it is, as Jesus put it, it is the foundation of our lives. You remember what what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount as he was wrapping up that great sermon? He said, anybody who takes these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a stone, on the rock. Some of you could start singing right now because you grew up in a church like I did. We sang that song. The wise man built his house on the rock. I won't sing. But you could. We could. Foundation. Why do we need a foundation? He, Jesus continued. The rains fell. The winds blew and beat against that house and the floods rose and that house stood firm because it was built on the rock. Jesus knew that the people that he was talking to, which was not just the people he was talking to at that moment, because he knew that Matthew was going to be inspired by his Holy Spirit that he was going to send into Matthew and remind Matthew of that sermon and the end of the sermon where he told this little story about the wise man and the rock. He knew that was going to happen, and he knew that 2,000-plus years later, there was going to be a group of folks in Midway, Georgia, reading it again and hearing about the foundation that we need for our lives because storms are coming. They weren't just coming for the first century listeners to Jesus that day. They had their storms. You know anything about what they were going through, and you can read it in your Bible, what, what they were going to be going through later. They had tough times ahead. Jesus knows about storms. He knows about fire and thunder. And he says, just as the Apostle Paul does, stand firm, build your house on the rock. The rock is the word of God, the word of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul continues when he says about standing firm. He says, 
and hold to the teachings. Talks about the, the, the word of God right there. Look what he says. Hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. That's how we stand firm. Our kids that are in kids' way right now, learning the Bible. That's going to come in handy for them. With their learning today, they might not remember the exact specifics of it, but it's going to come in handy for them next year and the next year after that and the next year after that. You're smart parents and grandparents for bringing them to that. Let's get them ready. Because Jesus tells us, Paul tells us, our experience tells us the storms are coming. The difficulties of life are coming. We don't get to pick them. We don't get to plan them. But the storms are coming. That's what this life is. Because of sin, because sin entered into the world through Adam and Eve, and it's been like this ever since, and God has done something about it through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He puts all that information in his word, and now he says, believe it and stand firm in it. But don't be the fool that Jesus talked about in the second part of the closing of that, of that sermon. When he says, but the fool built his house on sand. He didn't hear these words of mine and put them into practice. He decided he had a better way to live. He decided he had a better way to go. He had better stuff to believe in. He had better things to do. And he built his house on the sand. And then he described their life exactly the same way. The rain fell, the winds blew and beat against that house, and the floods rose, and the house fell with a great crash. The Apostle Paul just described earlier in chapter 2 and earlier in chapter 1 what happens to people who don't believe in Jesus, who don't believe the Word of God. Their lives fall with a great crash. Don't be that person. Don't be that person. Don't be that person that's too proud to accept the fact that God who made you knows you and knows how to save you and how to give you a life worth living that's going to live on and on and on for eternity. He's got this. He's got you. You just have to trust him. That's the, that's the whole story of this, of this book. And this, this statement that Paul is making, this admonition to stand firm, holding fast to the teachings that he and his companions passed on to those Thessalonians, both by word of mouth and by letter, that's what we're holding right here. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said, Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, he's talking about the Bible. Now, some people um, are like the red letters best. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some Bibles have the words of Jesus while he was in his earthly ministry in red. Some of you have those right now. I think this one might have some red letters in it. Yeah, I got red letters. 
You see them? Some people think those are the most important words in the Bible because those are Jesus' words. I wanna, I'm going to disappoint you right now. You don't need red letters. Okay? And this isn't my grandpa's fault. I gave him this Bible. Okay? So it's my fault. The red letters aren't more important than the black letters. Or maybe they should all be red. Because that would be more correct. Because all of this is Jesus' word. Every single word of it. Including that of the Apostle Paul. And here Paul is making that statement about himself and his ministry. He's telling the people to do the same thing that Jesus told them to do. He said, build your life Stand on the foundation of my teaching. That's what he's saying here in 2 Thessalonians. He's telling the Thessalonians, stand firm by, by taking hold of the teaching that I gave you. Now, Paul, in saying that, is not making himself equal with Jesus. He's not declaring himself to be God. He's reminding them that he's an apostle. He's one of the special men that Jesus chose out of all the men that he had to choose from. He chose a certain group, Paul being the last of them, because Paul wasn't in the original 12. Paul got added in later in a a very dramatic way. You can read his story in the the book of Acts. It's, It's a really great story. But he was added in later. But every word that he taught personally, in, you know, when he was in, in, in person with them, preaching to them, every word that he said verbally, and every word that he wrote to them, like this letter, this second letter that we're reading right now, every bit of that is red letter. It's the word of Jesus, because Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Jesus gave these words to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' other apostles, which means sent ones, one of his other special disciples, special friend, that he equipped to go out into into the world to share the the good news, The, the Apostle Peter testifies to the authority of the word of Paul. I'll show you that just because, because I think it's important. Look at 2 Peter. Um, it's, it's a little bit closer to the end of your Bible, after the book of Hebrews. 2 Peter chapter 3. Look what he says. This, this is a, it's a great passage to know. Because these, uh, these days, so many people are saying so many things about the Bible. I just want to warn you. You, you can't believe everything that you hear about it. A lot of people say, oh, you don't need to worry about what Paul said. Just worry about what Jesus said. A lot of people in our culture right now don't like what Paul said because he talked about some of the current things that we have going on in our lives, and, and they don't like to hear that stuff. And they say, well, Jesus didn't talk directly about some of that stuff, so we don't have to worry about it. That's wrong. Here's what, here's what, Peter, what Peter had to say about Paul. Chapter 3. Look what he says. So then, this is verse uh, 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, he's talking about the new heaven and new earth that God's going to create and that all believers are going to be living on that new earth, something that we're excited about. 
says, so then, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him, speaking of Christ. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking of them, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand. You hear that? Anybody ever experienced that? Everybody have a hard time understanding something that Paul said? Yeah, Peter did too. That's what we dig in. We don't give up, we dig in. He says, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort. Listen to this now. This this is a key line. As they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. The other scriptures. You know what he's saying about Paul's writings, about his letters? They're scripture. It's the word of God. It's, It's red letter. Paul's not being boastful. He's not being arrogant by by saying to the Thessalonians, take hold of the the teachings that I've passed on to you, either by letter or by by word. He's not being arrogant. He's just telling to wise up, just like Jesus did. I'm I'm giving you some foundation here, folks. I'm giving you something to build your life on. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. I love that song they just sang. Because the word of God tells us over and over and over about the faithfulness of God. I mean, again, that's, that's what the theme of this, of this book is. It's what the Holy Spirit, through the prophets and the apostles, it's what he's delivered to us. And the ultimate expression of the faithfulness of God is Jesus Christ, his son. Again, Paul sums it up. In Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What a synopsis of the story. We have to believe that. We have to trust that. And all the other promises that he makes. We believe it and we trust it. Now, Paul's writing in the first century to a group of Christians who don't know what tomorrow holds. Sound familiar? Sounds sort of like this crew? We don't know what tomorrow holds either, do we? Sometimes we think we do, and many of us have learned that that's not smart. But God knows. And if we know him, and we know his book, and that's how we know him, through the truth of his book, then we can trust him. We can trust him. There's going to be some fire, and there's going to be some thunder. Paul is not telling the Thessalonians, okay, guys, if you stand firm, God's going to take all your troubles away. He's going to take all this persecution away. He's going to get your job back. He's going to get your husband released from jail so he can come back and earn money like he's supposed to and take care of your family. He didn't say that. He said, stand firm. 
You're saved. He, remember, he just said that. He just told them how, how they're saved. That's the good news. Through Jesus Christ. Because of that, he said, stand firm. Get ready. It's coming. More's more coming. You thought yesterday was hard. There's more coming. Stand firm. Get down in your stance. Get ready. And remember, this is where the stance is right here in the word of God. Get in position. Get ready. It's gonna, it, the wind's blowing. It's going to beat against you. Floods might, might come up. Might come up really high. But God's got you. God's got you. Even if the water gets all the way to the top. You can be like Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego. Those three Jewish buddies who faced the fiery furnace of Nebuchadnezzar because they wouldn't bow down to his statue. You remember that story in the, in the book of Daniel? They said, he said, look, I'll give you one more chance. I'm, I'm showing you the fire, the furnace I'm going to throw you into if you don't bow down. I'm giving you one more chance. Bow down. And they said, king, we're not bowing down. You can throw us in there. Our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, we're not bound down. Because they knew, even if he didn't save them from that fire, he was going to take them right to glory. They knew that. They were counting on that. As you read through Hebrews 11, I encourage you to do that also. I'm giving you a lot of reading assignments today. Hebrews 11, that, the great fa- chapter on faith, talks about all these heroes of the, of the Bible and the faith that they had. Then he goes through some he doesn't name them by name, but most of the ones he names by name, with the exception of a couple like Abel, Abel's story didn't turn out good. You remember his story. His brother killed him. But, it's, but he's mentioned in Hebrews 11 as still speaking to us even though he's dead. Through his story. And also he's still alive in glory. Lost nothing by getting killed early. Lost nothing. Ended up in, in the presence of the Lord. But he, but he goes on in Hebrews 11 and talks about unnamed, unnamed saints, unnamed believers. He says, some of them were sawed in two. And that's not a pretty picture. Literally happened, though. Some, some traditions say that Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, was sawn in two at the end of his life. We don't know that for sure. But we know that somebody was. That's mentioned in Hebrews 11. And they, well, wait a minute. I thought you said that God would deliver us from our problems. He did. In that case, he delivered him through being sawed in two by taking him to glory. And he's fine. Whoever it was, he's fine right now. He has no regrets. He's not, he's not moping around in glory saying, man, I wish I, had, I wish I had done something to keep him getting sawed in half. Deny my faith. Or, no, he's, he's not upset at all about the fact that he held firm, that he stood firm. That he was ready. And somebody said, well, what did he get him? Well, he got sawed in half. But he's in glory. He didn't deny his faith. He didn't deny his Savior. He was like Job. Job never denied God through all the difficulties that God allowed him to go through. Never denied. He stood firm. It was tough. It was hard. You know where he is right now? In glory. In glory. 
Same place we're going. Same place the Thessalonians are. Because after they stood firm, after they held, held fast to the teachings that Paul had passed on to them in the word of God, they died. Somewhere or another. Some of them through persecution, some of them through old age, some of them cancer, all different kinds of things. They died, every one of them. And guess what? So are we. Every one of us. Unless he comes back, and that very well could happen. And if we were taking votes, I bet you him coming back today would, would, win, the, would win the day here. We won't do it. But remember, if he doesn't come back today, remember why. Remember why. Peter says the same thing in chapter 3 that we read about Paul's ministry and his writing. He said, God is not slow as we think about slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's why he hasn't come yet. He knows there's still at least one more person who's going to come to faith in Christ. I like to think about that sometimes as we think about people that we can share our faith with. Wouldn't it be cool to be sharing your faith with somebody who was the last one? And as soon as that person believed, the trumpet sounded. And we, and wouldn't that be cool? That's so, going to happen for somebody. Somebody's going to be the one doing that. Might be us. Might be one of us. It won't be one of us if we don't tell anybody. But we can. And we have what we need. That's in the teachings here that Paul passed on. That's what we have. That's why we dig in. That's why we spend time on Sunday mornings. I mean, I know there are so many other things available to you right this moment. I know there are some wonderful brunches available. Beautiful tea times. Not just this kind of tea, but this kind of tea. There's all kinds of things you could be doing right now. But you are wise. You know that standing firm, having the right foundation, is critical for your life. And so you give up this time on Sunday morning to fellowship with each other and to dig into God's word. And if you weren't here for Bible study this morning before this hour, I'd encourage you to do it next week. I'll tell you, the people that were here right now, if we took a vote, they would all vote. You ought to come. You ought to do it. It was worth it. It was a great, great time together in God's word. Whatever class you were in, it was great. I know it was. I was in one. It was great. I'd encourage you to do it. We do that stuff. We have the question and answer tonight. And the youth have their meeting tonight, although I don't think they're going to study much tonight. I think they're going to Stone Mountain. They're going to have fun. But the adults that come for question and answer tonight, they're going to be glad they came because they're going to dig into God's word. And it's going to give them something to build their lives on, to build, to build their defense, to stand firm, to get ready for what's coming. We're not looking at life morbidly. We're not doomsdayers. We just know the truth. We know the facts. Fire and thunder is on its way. It's already on us right now, some of us. But we don't have to worry about it. Because we can say it just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Our God can save us from whatever it is we're going through. But if he doesn't, he's going to take me right to glory. And that's where I'm going to be. 
Not because I'm good, not because I, had some, because I preached some sermons or anything like that. I'm going to go to glory because I believe in my Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on that cross. Not that one, but the one for my sins. And so like the song that, that we sang this morning, my confidence is that when, when, when I stand before him, I'm not going to be dressed in my righteousness. I'm going to be clothed in his. His. Only his. That's what I've received from him when I put my trust in him. He made me his righteousness. Sometimes it doesn't look like it. Sometimes I don't act like it. God knew that's why he gave us his word. That's why he gave us his sanctifying Holy Spirit, not only to save us, but to clean us up, to change us, to transform us. And Paul says, by the renewing of our mind in Romans 12, through his word, be ready. Be ready for the end of your life, whenever that's going to come, by putting your trust in Christ. Be ready for whatever he's got coming for you, whatever opportunity you're going to have. And remember, that's what these are. That's what these difficulties are. They're opportunities. They're, they feel like tragedies, but they're opportunities. And God prepares us for these things through his word, through the fellowship of his people, by the power of his Holy Spirit. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful this morning. We never got to hear Paul preach. We're confident that we will in some way, some kind of conversation. But we got to read his letters. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for that that movie that many of us got to see Friday night that reminds us of just what a precious gift this book is. We thank you for it today. We thank you for what it contains and that it is the foundation for our lives. Some of us are in the thick of it, Father. We've already prayed for those who are really swallowed up by it right now, by, by this life. We thank you for giving us a foundation to prepare Father, help us to take advantage of the opportunity that we have to prepare to be ready. Help us not to keep putting off till tomorrow the important discipline of reading and studying your word. Help us take advantage of the opportunities that we have. Help us to gather together to do it as we are this morning and as we did earlier, as we will this afternoon. Father, we pray for those who are still trying to go it alone, still trying to do it their way. Help them to see there's only one way that Jesus declared himself to be that way. Help them to trust him. Help us to continue trusting him. And we pray that you would be glorified through the way that you use us to bear fruit for eternity. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.